Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Like Waldi Flores, you're listening to the Sages Among Us. My guest tonight is Kent Gallagher. We always have to have just a little bit of quiet before we get started. Kent grew up in Bethesda, Maryland, outside Washington, D.C. He was very active in scouts. He became an Eagle Scout in 1966. He ditched his high school graduation ceremony, preferring to take a job washing pots and pans at Glacier National Park deepening his love of nature. And he then went on, spent two years at Colorado College in Colorado Springs. He graduated from the University of Maryland in 1970 in political science and economics. And he then went on to become an attorney. He went to law school at the University of New Mexico, graduating in 73. We're getting an idea of his age. He spent a summer before graduation in Germany working for the Judge Advocate General. He was a self-employed attorney in San Diego and then discovered Nevada County, his true mountain home, and moved here in 1987. He married his wife Molly in 1990, which actually tied for first place as the truly best decision, along with having moved to Nevada County, that he ever made. Kent is a volunteer in Nevada County. His volunteerism includes Circle, Sierra Club, political campaigns, five rhythms dance, it's in the poetry community. He was a mentor at Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is where I met him, and he volunteered tutoring in elementary schools for 10 years. Currently, he volunteers with Bright Futures for Youth. Welcome, Kent Gallagher. It's great to be here, Holly. Well, let me try that again. Welcome, Kent Gallagher. It's great to be here, Holly. <laughs> we're going to get this right. By the time this show is over, we're going to be dialed in. Um, so I was saying I met Kent because my eldest, I was looking for a male role model and uh, learned quickly that just being male wasn't necessarily the candidate I was looking for because some men uh, have different personality types. And Kent was a blessing to our family and you two still have a great relationship. And my kid's now 33, I think. So we're going to start, Kent. Um, first of all, I wanted to ask you, because you have been uh, such an active volunteer, I'm guessing that you had mentors growing up that taught you that trait, or is that something you come by naturally? I don't know if I come by naturally. Uh, my scoutmaster, Fred Plitt, was uh, an incredible fa father figure for me and uh, just a role model, actually, for how to be a volunteer and do so much for other people. I mean, when you think about a man dedicating 10 years of his life to say 40 or 50 scouts and he was um, he was just this shining light and and my father wasn't really much of a father figure so this man was terrific and um, he uh, I think he was in my life probably for about four years and 40 years after I left the program I, I located him and thanked him Wow that's really nice and he uh, he helped raise a fine young man into a fine person if I say so myself um, one of the things I know about you is uh, that you said your mom was influential in helping you to become a good reader or interested in reading, because I know that that's something you did with kids in the community. Yeah, that's really that's really what I like, uh, what I enjoy focusing on, and what's important to me in terms of my volunteer time is um, helping kids to read. Because my mother was tenacious about trying to help me to read in second and third grade. 
Uh, I was kind of like the youngest kid in, her, in the class being born in December, and uh, I needed a lot of help, and she was there for me, and um, I went from obviously hating kid, sitting at the kitchen table day after day to uh, coming up to grade level and then eventually loving reading my whole uh, childhood and, and my life. And so I really want to give that back to kids. And uh, working at Scotton for seven years uh, with six other friends and my wife, we had a great volunteer program going till COVID. And we just saw the tremendous value there was to one-on-one -on -one with first through fourth graders and how quickly some of those kids could catch up to uh, their grade level. And what a difference reading can make in a kid's life, you know, because some of, some, not all kids have a great home life and um, don't have that somebody sitting at the kitchen table with them, teaching them. Well, it was stunning, but a lot of kids actually said they had no childhood books at home. Isn't that something? In this day and age? Yeah. That is crazy. Well, another thing I know about you is your love of the great outdoors. And you said you discovered that early on. Was that through scouting? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, well, my parents did take us uh, car camping, but yeah, it was mostly through scouting um, and um, just a quick aside, I think I was probably in about seventh grade, so I would have been in scouting then, of course, and I saw a map of the United States really for the first time that I actually looked at it seriously, and it was a one-page map, and I noticed all these green spaces in the west and none hardly in the east, and then I went, what are those spaces? Well, they were national forests, and then I looked into that a little bit at that age and went, wow, this public space that you can just hike and camp and stuff, and it was like, okay. And, you know, let's face it, we have the mountains out here, so that was huge. And you're still doing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but this one of the things I was going to say about um, having you as a big brother, you know, my kid was definitely a video game, not getting out much. And it's one of the first things you said, if you're just looking for somebody to play video games with, I'm not your guy. And because of you, I think he does have that love of nature and the outdoors, trips to the river, hiking, all of those things that were taught and became part of uh, the joy that was in his life. So the long-lasting effects of that and passing that on is so important, and I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Well, I appreciated working with him, and it's actually been a stunning relationship because I think why big brothers and big sisters would hesitate to do the mentoring, of course, is how is it going to go with the child and with the parent? That's And it's gone fabulous with the two of you. And fortunately, Trevor was a kid that didn't need to play the video games. And so I was able to introduce him to uh, the river, and we went swimming a lot and do doing other things. So it, it's a great match for me. Well, one of the things we talk about a lot of is involvement in community. And you, you talked a little bit about when we, because we both moved up here from other areas and tried to connect and find your connection. And um, what do you think it is that brings this community together as a community? How do people get involved? Well, I looked this up the other day. I was going to write an article to the union. I looked this up. We have 1,347 nonprofits in this county. That's... 1,347, and that's what makes this community because those are all essentially volunteer organizations with staff, but still. Right. Well, and I years ago, I think it's a doubled since I was paying attention to that number, wondering how many active and how many um, duplicate effort, if any, which is, which is always the struggle. Like, where do you give your time that you're going to get the most bang for your buck? And I've noticed that you do a lot of volunteerism in things around nature 
in things in the arts and then in things in children. And is that by design? Yeah, I want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I've been in organizations that involve meetings and you know things like that, and I'm just not a meeting person. So to me, it's, it is really about uh, so much about one-on-one. And uh, as far as most of my volunteer time now, I mean, it really is um, – you know, there's financial uh, helping people that need help financially. That's been a big thing for my wife, Molly, and myself. And we actually talked to a superintendent of schools about five or six years ago and said, do you have kids that are aging out, say, in the foster program, and they just need help getting started? I mean, there, there are state resources for foster kids, but they, there are gaps. Right. So right. sometimes they need help buying a car so they can get to college. Sometimes, like one uh, girl we helped, um, she, all she needed really was first month's rent and, uh, and her deposit. Just so it wasn't a big thing. Sometimes it's just uh, very, you know, they just need a little bit of a cash infusion and then they can take off with the other resources. Well, what I find, and this might not be true, is that when people are in trouble, there are resources. But before they get in trouble, it's a little bit harder to find those. And that seems to be a gap that you have found a way to, like I said, help people out before they're in that dire straits. And it's true. Foster kids get, I mean, can you imagine being 18 and tossed out? No, it's brutal. I mean, that is so sad. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, met, I've met kids who come from really great families who, are, who don't make great choices. And I've seen kids who come from the worst possible environments who manage to excel and overcome. So it's always interesting to me. Um, that it's not necessarily your circumstance that makes you who you are, but having somebody give you a little bit of a hand up can be all the difference. Right. Yeah. Huge. My guest today is Kent Gallagher, and we're talking about volunteerism and philanthropy in Nevada County. Our guests usually are associated with some organization specifically, or you know, they it's part of their job. And I was really interested in having you as a guest because I think of you as one of those quiet pe- people, quietly making a really big impact. And I know that with you and your wife Molly, that you guys do a lot of things for a lot of people, and it's just kind of under the radar. And I'm, I know we touched on this about you not being a meeting person, but is that why you tend to, to not um, maybe formally? Join specific organizations. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd say that's very much so. I mean, it's, I mean, I think that is my personality and probably my wife's personality. I mean, we we've formed a lot of small fun organizations like monthly poker, a poetry group, that kind of thing. So we're involved. We're one or the other of us is involved at a, at a very local level uh, and kind of a minimum membership level in that. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to find out the places I could really help with kind of jump-starting people that needed help. Or um, as a lawyer, I did some of the articles of incorporations for some of the nonprofits, not so much the last 10 years, but prior to that. And it was great just to help out with a skill that I had and to just help an organization get started. uh, And then all the other volunteers would do most of the work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we're touched on the fact that you were an attorney. How long have you been? Did you practice? I know technically you're retired, but once uh, a lawyer, always a lawyer. Is that how that works? <laughs> you know, I asked myself that. <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen? But uh, no, I haven't been a practicing lawyer for 20 years, but um, I did practice for 30 years. And uh, 
Yeah. I've kind of liked doing life my own way, and I think that's part of why uh, we came to the realization that, like I say, we wanted to fill in the gaps where maybe the systems don't uh, don't work. Yeah. And it was really great working. There's a lady at superintendent schools we loved working with because she would vet the kids that were – they were turning 18 and they needed help. So we didn't have to like figure out, are we sort of wasting our money with a kid? She already knew these kids for several years and she knew that they were goal-oriented and the two girls in particular we helped, one of them, uh, we had to help her for only like 16 months and she got her cosmetology degree, which was her dream the whole time she was in high school. And then the other girl, she was uh, looking for a BA and we met her when she was uh, first starting college and just sort of jump-started her, like I said, with the rent money and stuff. And she graduated about a year ago it's and a, has a full-time job. It's such a great thing to, that you're doing because you're right. There are those gaps, and kids get into the system, some systems, um, but there's always that, you know, the paperwork or the, they don't quite qualify for this one thing. And to be able to fill that niche is so important. And I wonder, if are you alone or do, other, do you know other people who do that sort of thing? I've never, I have not, which is um, well, I think what people, I think is You unique. know, I, it's a curious thing. I, I think people are hesitant to talk about what money they donate. Um, you know, there's hubris and then there's um, false humility and all that stuff that probably most of us are aware of. And uh, I've started to, what Molly and I both started to do, because most of our friends make similar political contributions that we do to the same organizations or maybe individuals. And we've started to put out there a little bit, like if, if, a, if a campaign really needs help and it's really obvious it's significant, we might even tell our close friends what we're donating. And it's not really because we're looking for strokes. It's just to it, it took us a long time to sort of go from the $25 donation to the $100 donation. And I think if, if your friends if you have a sense of what your core friends are doing, it just motivates you to maybe step up a little bit more, which yeah. is the same thing with volunteering time, really. Right, right. Well, um, I, I asked you to send a bio, and you did tell me a couple of things that I haven't touched on. One of them is the fact that you be, your, your decision to go to law school was because you just didn't want to have to go to the real world for a couple extra years. <laughs> That's right. Which worked out great. <laughs> how, how did you find Nevada County? Oh, well, as I said, this is my uh, my second first best decision or my first second best decision, whatever <laughs> I'm trying to say. Uh, well, it actually, it was, kind of, it was really fun. I mean, I got out of, uh, like you said, I graduated in Albuquerque from law school. My wife at that time wanted to move to the beach, so we moved to San Diego for 13 years. And San Diego was a terrific city in 1973, but then it got changed. And... Uh, 13 years later, we moved to Nevada County. And the way we found Nevada County is I really was more of a mountain person than an ocean person. I was kind of done with the ocean, except Mendocino Coast is great. But the San Diego Coast is just all sand. And so I really needed to be in the mountains. And we just started at the south end of 49, drove north, and just checked out all the little villages along the way. And found it. And here we are. So over these last few years, have you noticed, because I feel like the community changed um, over the past few years. Do you feel that way or or is it still, I was talking um, earlier to a woman about this, is, is it still the heart of the community that we fell in love with? 
I think it is. I mean, we're we're subject to a lot of the problems that the whole nation is subject to, which is sad. I mean, we we do have a serious meth problem in some of those things. So, it's not as safe as it was, and I th- and people are struggling more. Obviously, there's been inflation, and people lost their savings uh, 12 years ago in the Great Recession. So. It's definitely changed, but I think the volunteerism is is hugely still there. And I think that for people that have intentionally moved here, which most of my friends did intentionally move here, they knew what they were getting into and what they were getting out of. And I think that's a huge thing compared to just, say, growing up in Los Angeles with uh, 3,000 other kids at your high school and, the mo- and most of you just staying there. That's, right. that's kind of like living by default, whereas I think so many people moving here, very intentional. And I found this by accident. It really was I wanted a good place to raise my kids and have some property and uh, found it accidentally. And then uh, we've talked about this a little bit. Once I got here, I couldn't figure out how to break in to the community. I just couldn't figure out how to be part of it. And I wanted to go to an event and it happened to be a big brothers, big sisters, I think event. And I couldn't afford the ticket. And someone said, well, just volunteer. And then (laughs) I got in and I volunteered, did my thing. And then that became um, my way of becoming involved. And then I personally became a Seroptimist. And again, I shared this with you, not because I was being generous with my time, but because I really needed to make some friends and it ended up serving both. I served the community, but I made some lifelong friends, and it changed my life, kept me here when my uh, you know, personal life fell apart. Had I not had that, those people, I probably would have gone back to New York, where I'd certainly be miserable. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you touched on the beauty of the fact that you can marry your need with the needs of the community and the needs of your children. So uh, I think just figuring out that, again, I think a lot of people just kind of live by default and they maybe do what their parents did or they do what's the most obvious thing to do or what they're supposed to do. But I think figuring out who we are and then going for it, um, the other things can fall into place. So we touched on this, um, and I know that you love nature and outdoors, obviously, Um, but the connection to kids, is that like staying young or just that you see the importance of them helping them because they are the future? What is your motivation? Well, it's all of that. I mean, with the reading program, I just, uh, I'm teaching, uh, I'm tutoring eighth grader now at uh, Bright Futures. And um, this isn't particularly about her, but, you know, I'm seeing what some of the eighth graders, what they know and they don't know. They have they struggle with reading sometimes. They really struggle with basic arithmetic, and I and uh, when Molly and I decided to, uh, I mean, I've, I guess I've tutored in schools on and off for thirty years, but really got serious about it about eight or nine years ago. Uh, and what it was, well, I just love little kids. I mean, we have a niece that's now twenty three, and I'm seventy four, and um, she's lived on the East Coast. But I see her about every year, and she and I just have a blast together because we can just—I can just be that kid again with her. And uh, she's another drama student, just like (laughs) your son Trevor, and uh, so she's just totally fun and lovable. And um, 
Where's my try to go with that? Let's see. Oh, what your what your connection is to youth versus you oh, know, any other? Point. Well, so I, I just really appreciate. I mean, the youthful innocence is so beautiful. I mean, let's face it, the kids. They're not real rational thinkers till they're about eight or nine years old. And so the kids that are up to that age, they're just beautiful to be around and they just love having fun and they just love having your attention. And um, we just have to know that if they have a foundation in reading and and also, of course, in uh, arithmetic at that point, they can just go places. But if they don't have the foundation, they never catch up. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um and then in finding what their interest is and then being able to, to execute that, um, having some basis. And growing up in Nevada County, I, I know I told each one of the kid, my kids, you have to leave. You can, I'm glad you're here. You've been, you're raised here, but now you have to go. You can come back, but you really do need to see that the world is not 98.6% white, for instance, and uh, not every town is small. And not every community is as um, giving as ours. So it's a gift, but I think people do need to go to be able to appreciate it. Yeah, and one way I went into it with your son, I mean, I met Trevor when he was just turning nine. uh, And, you know, we started out just wrestling on your carpet there on Alexander Way or whatever that street is. Anyway, we were having a blast. But I came into that relationship. I'd never done that before. And I came into that relationship with the attitude that, yeah, I'm providing a male or a father figure to some extent, but really uh, I'm just trying to uh, let the child know that, uh, you know, they're a good person, they have prospects and all that. And I really saw the job with him, and I hadn't really thought of this in advance till I met him, as me giving him, as exposing him to as much life experience as I could because you couldn't expose them to everything. No parent can. And um, it was really cool how, the way I remember it anyway, was when he was in eighth grade, he wanted to uh, try a, a summer drama program. And um, I think you told me about it or he told me about it. And it really didn't cost much with tuition for the program. And I said, yeah, I'll pay for that. And, and that really, uh, that was the first time he got into drama in a big way. So he discovered himself what his passion was. And that's what his degree is from uh, UC Santa Barbara. Yeah, he could have been a doctor, Kent. But no, you had to bring him into the drama program. <laughs> <laughs> Did you and I have that discussion? I don't, I don't recall think that one. So. I don't <laughs> believe so. I said, I said that to him once. And he said, I'll play a doctor. <laughs> So one statement you made to me uh, when asking for your bio information was that you feel community involvement is the answer to having a true civilization. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I look around and I see the lack of that uh, in so many places and especially, you know, probably big cities, but I'm not that familiar with big cities. But I, I just think that what we have here is the ability to be uh, an integrated community in a way that big cities really can't be because there's too many people. But here, of course, you know, we're seeing our friends every day when we go shopping or whatever. And I just think uh, that that's what creates this net, uh, both a safety net and just a social net of um, how people get along, interact get to share their lives, which I think is huge toward creating community. You know, you find out by sharing your lives, you find out more about yourself, you find out what the needs are of people. And uh, I mean, the network here is just tremendous. And I just can't imagine in a real urban area that that could be the case. And I, and I also, I think uh, there's so much alienation. There's so many people live by themselves uh, or they're isolated or they're depressed or whatever. 
And I think that when, when people are living that separate, then I think it really is hard to have a true civilization because um, not everybody's getting met, not everybody's contributing. Well, I'm so glad that that you do and that you do hit in so many areas, like I said, the importance of organizations like Circle and Sierra Club. You've mentioned one. I didn't know what it was, and so I didn't read it in your bio, but it was RQC, I think. Oh. <laughs> what is that? Uh, well, you, you were saying how when you first came here, you wanted to get involved in something, so you got involved in uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Well, when Molly and I first moved here, of course, we didn't really know anybody either, and so we uh, decided we wanted to get involved in some organization. At that point, well, we probably the first organization was Sierra Club, but then uh, quickly came along the Rural Quality Coalition, which was really a political organization. And it was a hot thing in the early 90s. And uh, so it was a great place to get involved because there was a lot of activity. So of your um, many, I'm going to say, arms that you reach and touch, uh, nature, the arts, uh, po politics, I can get that out, and then youth, is there one area that you find yourself leaning heavier now as you're getting into those golden years, if I could be so bold as to say that? Well, certainly as far as helping people, it's the youth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for Molly and I personally, we just love to get up to the mountains or, you know, the river or whatever. So, so that love of exploration hasn't diminished much? No, it's gotten a lot more local, which is... Uh, which is wonderful for us. Um, we just like to kind of go up to, well, one of our favorite places is uh, Bridgeport on the east side of the Sierra and going up to Twin Lakes there and just hanging out for a week or two and just staring up at those mountains. Still, there's so much. Um, as we think about, you know, some of these urban areas where kids, even in this state, with the football program sometimes, kids would come up from Sacramento and come to Nevada Union or Bear River and see all these trees and all this grass and, you know, their minds are blown a little bit where we take it as the day-to-day -day, but it's certainly important to protect it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we have about three minutes left. One of my favorite questions to ask is if there's anything that you could you know, take a magic wand and wave it, uh, would, would you change about our community? Don't ponder too long. It gets very quiet here yeah, on the radio. Uh, I know I put you on the spot. Yeah, help me fill in here. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I, I don't know about anything specific. I mean, I, I really do think, I mean, we have such a huge movement to with Hospitality House and the other, and Sierra Roots and other organizations to help the homeless. Um, I, I think that's just one of our biggest problems, be, uh, not only the humanitarian aspect, but of course the fire danger. Right. Um, so that's something. But I've just been I don't know how a person could not be but impressed at how many people and resources are involved in that issue. And that's a tough problem. But, uh, you know, I think we're doing probably as well as can be done. I think I think we do need uh, a le legitimate campground for homeless people, whatever that might look like. And other communities have tried that. And I would hope that we can try that. Uh, but I know it's politically difficult to arrange that. So. It's one of those things when I talk to my friends who are in the political arena, they said, if it was easy, we'd already have figured it out. It's not as easy as it sounds. And, you know, what do I know? I know. I just know it's still a problem and continues to be. Um, what was my uh, other question was, 
in terms of if people, because you're an, a unique example, you're not necessarily employed by a civic group and you're not necessarily tied to one, but if you see these needs in our community and people are trying to reach out and become connected, what would you say to help people uh, get started or where to put their energies? I would just look around for these volunteer situations. I mean, uh, since I was always a self-employed attorney, I thought I was supposed to do the uh, thing like, uh, well, I was lived in Lake of the Pines for a while, and they had a men's group called the Pinesman. And I thought, well, that'd be a good place to uh, f find business, which was true. It was. But it really wasn't my thing to just join an organization mostly for the purpose of of getting business. And so I think just doing it, finding out what your passion is and doing it. And if I might be so bold, I mean, you asked me actually when we set this up, um, you know, what kind of uh, what our goal was around philanthropy, and I've thought for quite a few years, you know, what is it? And I just don't believe a person truly appreciates their good fortune unless they're motivated to help others. I love that. I mean, it, no matter how much money you have. Do you really appreciate it if you're not willing to include others who really didn't have that opportunity? I think that is profound, and I agree, and I hope that inspires other people to give of their time. I just can't tell you how much respect I have for you for the many different places that you have made a difference and that you continue to do it, and I'm really glad that I got to know you. Absolutely. Myself, too. And Holly, I've, you're such an asset to the community. <laughs> Thanks.